Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. Today, we follow up with Rahab. She's going to go upstairs, talk to the spies for whom she's just covered when the king's officials had heard that she had been housing spies. They go to her. She risks it all. She commits treason by housing them, by, by covering for them. And now she's going to go talk to those spies. And in verse 11 of today's text is the central confession that the Lord is the Lord. It bears a beautiful Old Testament resemblance to Romans 10.9. Before the name of Jesus was known to anyone on the earth, we see her confess that the Lord is the Lord. And she also pleads on behalf, not only for her own soul, but for her whole family as well. Here is Joshua chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof. So remember, she just sent the spies to hide among uh, the sheets of flax that she had drying in the sun there. And said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. That was 40 years prior, by the way. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. All right, this happens right, uh, right at the, the end of uh, like, you know, the, the narrative contained within Numbers and Deuteronomy. When we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. Here it is. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. That's a beautiful confession. That right there, that I think is the moment of uh, the, the, the true confession where we know Rahab is saved. Now, please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. So in verse 11, I believe this is spiritual salvation. And then verses 12 through 13 is just vital salvation for her sake and for her family and those who, who are with them. This is, this is beautiful. Here, here, like we saw yesterday, is uh, a Gentile conversion right there in the Old Testament before Israel has even taken Israel. What she's describing to the fear that's in everyone's hearts in Jericho and has been evidently for like 40 years. They've been hearing stories about the former slaves of Egypt. And this was prophesied in Exodus chapter 15. Here's verses 15 and 16. Then the chief priests, priests of Edom will be terrified. Trembling will seize the leaders of Moab. This, by the way, is where Ruth lived in the era of the judges. All the inhabitants of Canaan will panic. All right, that's happening right here. That was prophesied in Exodus 15, 15. And what Rahab just shared about the inhabitants of Canaan, that includes Jericho, it's confirmed true. Terror and dread will fall on them. They will be as still as a stone because of your pow powerful arm until your people pass by, Lord, until the people whom you purchased pass by. So there it is, Exodus 15, verses 15 and 16. This prophecy by, by, by Moses, speaking of the Lord, comes true in the people of Jericho. And what we see in Rahab's request also bears a similarity in its structure to what would be prayed 
in 1 Samuel 24. Therefore, swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. This is what Rahab is pleading on behalf of her mother, father, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them to be saved from death. So we finish all of our sermons with Romans 10.9, right? Because it's the only if-then statement in all of Scripture that clearly articulates salvation. It sits atop a mountain of theology in Romans chapters 1 through part of 10. And then what comes next after this portion of Romans, chapters 9 and 10 and 11, and chapter 12 begins a rapid-fire succession of practical applications for the church and for, for Christians. But what Romans 10.9 provides, this is the apex of the whole thing. This is why God elected Israel. This is why God chose these people as his nation, is so that now because of Jesus, Gentiles could call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. They didn't yet know in Rahab's day the name Jesus. That wouldn't be until the angel Gabriel comes and brings that name to his servants, to God's servants, right? Mary and Joseph. It wouldn't be until, it wouldn't be for a long time. But what's so cool is that that name, Jesus, that name of the Lord would actually come through the lineage of Rahab. How cool is that? She is named in the end of the book of Ruth. Uh, and she's, she's named in the beginning of the gospel of Matthew. It would be a descendant, physically speaking, of Rahab who would give that name of the Lord. So she doesn't know his name yet. She only knows him as, in her beautiful, eloquent, I believe Holy Spirit-inspired words, God in heaven above and earth below. Here it is. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and earth below. While Romans 10.9, in conjunction with 1 Corinthians 12, indicates that it's a confession with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, a belief in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's New Testament. This is an Old Testament confession that the Lord is the Lord. And she evidently believes this in her heart because she is betting her life on it, and not only her life, but the life of her whole family and potentially her extended family. She's betting it all on the fact that the Lord is the Lord God of heaven above and earth below. She's betting it all. So, I mean, you know, centuries upon centuries before Romans 10.9 would be inspired, we do see a confession that the Lord is the Lord. We do see a belief in all of her heart with this. So she doesn't yet know about the coming resurrection. She doesn't yet know the name of her own physical descendant, Jesus, but there is a confession with her mouth. There is evidently a belief in her heart. And now here I have an Old Testament conversion from a Gentile woman. This is the least likely person to be saved. I mean, think about it. She's a resident of Jericho. She is a part of the greater nation uh, area of Canaan. And she's a prostitute for crying out loud. Like she's not living a life at all that you would think like this is going to be the first person that we see become part of the nation of Israel as they take the Jordan. All right. Uh, this, this is, this is not at all what you would expect. Don't write anyone off on God's behalf because you and I don't have the authority to do that. Rahab not only would be a part of the nation of Israel, she would be a part of redemptive history forevermore. Who are you to say? that your God-hating boss is beyond the reach of God's arm to save, that it's totally unlikely that he or she would confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in his or her heart that God raised 
raised Jesus from the dead. It, who, who are you to say that that person who currently is leading a lifestyle that seems wholly antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ would not one day, like Rahab, play a huge part in the redemptive stories of countless other people whom they reach? All right, man, we've seen God do this. We read much of the New Testament authored by the Holy Spirit through the human instrument of a man who oversaw the killing of Christians, the arresting of Christians for crying out loud. Don't write anyone off on God's behalf. Rahab seemed the least likely, but her name is preserved in Scripture forever. Mine isn't, yours isn't, but may my name, your name, Rahab's name, and the names of those whom we see come to Christ be forever preserved in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen.